0: You are listening to New Life The Fort. We believe your vision will be expanded and your heart enlarged. If you are blessed by this message, write to info at newlifethefort.com. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about heart of the house and heart for the house. And I believe what's, what's happening, uh, This these things are not accidental. We are very uh, strategic in the things that God is leading us into, because I believe as a church, we're headed towards a specific direction. As a body, as a church, as New Life, the fort, we're headed towards a specific direction. And if you consider this church, your church, then you're included in where we're headed. We understand that some people here are visitors and some people are here, you're newcomers or first-timers or whatever. But I believe that you will hear the message and not just take our word for it, but really go before God and ask Him what this is all about. Because I believe you're coming at a time in the world that you need to make choices. And it's, it's not anymore enough to just stay on the sidelines, but get into what uh, God's program is. Because He wants to show, the Bible says, in Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And then it it compares it to the world where there's great darkness. There will be, we're entering a season where light and darkness is very, very evident. And we need to make a choice whether I'm going to stand for this. Now, um what, we're, what the uh, title for the message is Heart for the House Part 2. We started last week, Heart for the House. And I believe the reason why we have a growing heart for the house is that we understand the heart of the house. If we understand the heart of the house, which is the heart of Jesus, the heart of God for the people. As we said before, you open up the heart of God, you'll see people in it. Okay, If you understand that the heart of God is, is people, then you will begin to have a heart for people. And you'll understand why we do the things that we do. This is not just church so we can do something on a Sunday. It's, you know, this is born out of the heart of God. And we're walking things out. Prayerfully, you know, we consider these things. And I want us, everyone here has a part. Meaning, everyone here... There is no, there's no one here that, was just this, that will sit on the sidelines. Every, everyone here has a specific reason and a part in what God is doing. So if you're interested in that, we'll, we'll carry on. In Psalm 27 verse 4, we'll jump from that uh, scripture. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Father, help us, even today, as we go into the Word, help us understand what you're trying to impart to all of us here. And I pray that you stir hearts up in regards to having a heart for your house. Help us make adjustments and and challenge us or even even, uh, move us, Lord God, so that we can begin to understand or even have a desire to understand what this is all about. Lord, our ears are yours, our hearts are yours. Begin to write in these tablets so that we can see and walk these things out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I have opened the wrong um, message. Maybe we can start talking about that. Praise the Lord. Uh, There are a couple of things that I said last week. Um, I think it was Pasora Mitch who spoke in the last service. So I'll just reiterate these things uh, so that you get the gist of what I spoke in the other services. One of the things that I said is really, um, if you have in your heart what is in the heart of God, I believe you will not miss it. Now that's a pretty maybe intense statement that if you have in your heart what is in the heart of God, you won't miss it. I want to qualify it and say, it does not mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It does not mean that you will not be tempted and all these things and uh, maybe not even... It does not mean that. It simply means that not missing it in terms of your purpose and your call and the reason why you're here on earth. The reason why I say that is we look at the life of David. David is uh, known as a man after God's own... Everybody knows that. A lot of people know that. David is a man after God's own heart. But we also know at the same time, you read through the life of David, David made a lot of mistakes. Is that true? Now, who among you have made a lot of mistakes? But who among you have not got to the category of David's mistakes? Right? Because David was involved in murder. Right? And David was uh, in an adulterous situation. All these things. And he failed as a father. You know, his kids rebelled. All these things. It's a messy life. But it did not disqualify him from fulfilling his purpose for his generation. So if David was able to do that, well, guess what? We're still qualified. So, what was that thing that allowed David to finish his course. He had such a heart for the house of God. He pursued with all his strength to discover what is in the heart of God. And because he was pursuing that, he fulfilled his purpose. I declare that even all of you here, you will fulfill your purpose if we make an adjustment to go after God's heart. Now... now. I also mentioned a couple of things here. Uh, The reason why, the reason why, we can say now with confidence that you will not miss it is now you're discovering more and more what is in the heart of God. And we mentioned that a while ago that the heart of God is for no one to perish. You see that in the New Testament that God does not want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Regardless, if you have people that you don't like, God loves them. Amen? That's why the challenge, that Jesus said, love your enemies. And He didn't just say that, out of just to say that, He displayed it on the cross. But now, uh, we, n- not only that it's in the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, you, you read the story of Jonah talking about you know, God giving instruction to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a horrible place to live, a sinful place. But God gave direction to a prophet to go to that place and preach repentance there. And to cut a long story short, you know what happened to Jonah? Jonah didn't want to go there because he didn't want the people of Nineveh saved. But Nineveh repented. And the heart of God... Really, Jonah said, I know that you are merciful and gracious. So, even before in the Old Testament, Nineveh, Nineveh, I mean, Jonah already understood that God is gracious. Because God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So, if we have, like the desire of David a while ago, one thing I have desired. He has boiled down to one desire okay, the things that he said, this one will give me the most benefit in life. This one this one desire will give me total satisfaction in life. One thing, to dwell in the house of God. I believe that if we shift our attention and not be um, distracted by all the things on the on the sidelines, but be focused on Him. Find ourselves focused on what God is focused on. I believe if you set your heart for the house of God, because you understand the heart of God, if you set your your heart for the house of the Lord, He will set your house in order. He will set and establish your house forever. That's exactly what David did. If you review the life of David towards the end of his days, He had such a heart for the house of the Lord. And God was so touched with that heart. And God said, because you're mindful of my house, I will establish your house forever. Who among you would like your household to be taken care of? Guess what? It hasn't changed. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. It hasn't changed. We're just looking at it now at a different angle. Now, uh, there's one of the things that I mentioned. I want <clears throat> to repeat it here. Um, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, in the Amplified Version, um, we know that Jesus has a lot of names. He is shepherd. He is a door. He is the living water. He is the light of the world. Apparently, Christians also have different names. You are the seed. You are the flock. You are you know all these, you are sheep, <laughs> okay, also, a couple of things you'll read it here, First Peter chapter two, verse nine, that you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood. See there, royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, god's own purchased, special people. I mean, look at the person beside you, tell them you're special. we' special, lega. Okay? that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous right. But one thing that you know, kind of caught my attention in this place and I started thinking about it is this term, royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Now, where do priests usually work? Where do you usually find them? Operating in the house of God, in the temple they're doing their work there, their service there, whatever it is, their their attention and the activity that they have, you will find it in the house of God. But it does not just say that you are a priesthood, but a royal priesthood. Meaning, you are royalty. Now, if somebody is royalty, it means that they're somehow related to the king. Now, you are not a distant relative of the king. You are immediate family to the king because you are in Christ. So you are, you are, um, as Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, then you are part of that. You have that call. And if you're royalty, the royalty, they work and function in the royal courts. And, uh, When I was discussing this with Pastora Mitch, um, she went into intensive research and went to this place called Google and found out that if, if royal courts are actually places where the king has jurisdiction, it is not limited where the king resides. It's not just in the king's palace, but every palace or castle or mansion or domain An area where the king set uh, somebody, somebody who is related to him, a royalty, and then is now designated or delegated to rule over and have jurisdiction in that place. You are now presiding over that place and say, on behalf of the king, I am now ruling this place. So now that is your royal court because you have been designated there. Now, I'm reminded of a scripture that we mentioned a couple of weeks back in Psalm 92, verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall in the courts of our God. Those who are planted, who among you are planted in the house of God. Now, interesting because it says you're planted in the house but you will flourish in the courts. Meaning you've decided and you've set your house, this is my house, or your heart, and say this is my house, one house, but you have different courts because you have different areas of um, influence. Some of you are doctors, some are students, some are engineers, some are employees in a call center or whatever. Different areas of jurisdiction, different courts, but coming to one house. If your house is New Life, the fort, the house of God, this is, this is your house. And then it says there, you will flourish in the courts. Meaning you will begin to flourish where you are uh, designated to be. Where you're called to be. I call the people of New Life, the fort, flourishing in the courts of our God. In other words, you have jurisdiction. You have spiritual authority given to you that you need to recognize in the place where you operate. In the marketplace, but don't go to your boss tomorrow morning and say, "Do you know, boss? I have authority in this place. I have spiritual jur- jurisdiction. I command you." No, don't <laughs> give me a raise. <laughs> it does not work like that, because at the end of the day, you may not have a boss anymore, right? But what I'm saying is that you have, you know, you can, you have certain authority that you can function in in that particular place. Now. Understand also that as a as a child of God, you've moved house before in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. Exodus is a type of the world. And the people of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. And this house, the Bible says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the... House of bondage. People were slaves and they were in bondage. But then God took you out of that house and led you to a place and brought you to His own house. Now, the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and members of what? Household Household of God. Now, if you are In the household of God, guess who's taking care of you? God himself will take care of you. Whatever needs you, he will take care of you. Allow him to take care of you. Amen? So we understand now that there are certain things that has changed. I want us, as New Life the Fourth, to be in one page. I want us to understand, because if we're going towards one direction, I want us to understand what it means now for us to have a heart for the house. Because we understand what it means or what is the heart of the house is. Because we're coming to a time where there is very clear distinction to what's happening outside and what's happening inside. When you come in here, you know, no longer gone are the days where you you just come to church because you have to. Gone are the days where you just come to church because, you know, you'll feel guilty if you don't come or somebody will get mad now you're you're coming because now you're learning and you're growing and you're experiencing the things that you're hearing and the bible says in proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and in all you're getting anybody here you're getting something on a sunday every time you come i pray that in all you're getting you're also get getting understanding that you, It's no longer just a knowledge that is trapped in your head, but you also understand it and you can operate in it so that it will begin to manifest. Amen? That is my desire. That is my prayer for all of us. Okay? Now, it's not a secret that in, in a few months now, we'll give you more detail. You know, we're, we've, we've been announcing it. We've been, you know, uh, showing you that we're, you know, we have building, build this house project because what we want is to build... Uh, a new space for all of us. Who among you enjoyed the time that we're here in Cinema uh, 7? It's good. But I also know that our time here is also ending. Praise the Lord. And I'm excited to see a, a bigger space, a new space, you know, different you know, different setting, right? We want that. But we know that it's really not about the building. The building is there to house the people that are coming to the building. God is not, cannot, cannot stay or is not dwelling in a, in a place made by hands. What is happening, the building is temporary, but what's going on in the building is eternal. Understand? So our heart is for us to have an understanding that when we say we have this building project because there's, there's a temple that needs to be built. There are people that need to come and become the temple of God. That's what's happening. We're seeing things now, not just in the temporary, not just the things that are seen, but the things that are seen, which are eternal. Now, I'm looking at, uh, I was just checking out the word temple in the Old Testament. And the word temple in the Old Testament has a couple of translations or definitions. Because the same word temple that you will read is the same word palace. It's the same word. So it means temple, means palace. It means any splendid building. Or splendid. Tomorrow, begin to use the word, oh, splendid. Have a splendid morning. Oh, I've had a splendid lunch. Love is many splendid. (laughs) Splendid. Splenda. I want splenda in my... It means palace, any splendid building, edifice, citadel, tabernacle, or sanctuary. It is any spacious, royal building such as a king would possess. I believe what we're going to build is going to be a splendid building. Such Such as a king would possess. Why is that? Not only because, of course, it's the house of God, but Who's going to operate in it? Royal priesthood. It's both a palace and a temple fit for kings and queens of Narnia. I was going to say, Narnia, What? We were listening to Narnia, my kids watching the movie. You are now kings and queens of Narnia. But it's not an accident that you are royal priesthood. You know, um, as far as we know, if scholars are correct, the most expensive building that has ever been built is the temple that Solomon built. A couple of hundred billion dollars. That's an expensive building. And that do you know where that building is now? It's gone. It served its purpose for its generation. But the Bible says the, there is a temple that's going to be built that's more glorious than that. Which temple is you? So we want to represent well we want we we want a beautiful home, we want a nice house, the house of God, right? I mean, who among you would like to have a nice home, to go to, after service, after work, right? So you want your house to be represented well, right? You you know your house represent you well. Now I don't know, but this is my character, okay, or my flaw. Uh, when before the. Jam leadership, come to the house. I want it nice and clean. I want it in order. No, no, I mean that's for for both of us, okay? When I say me, I mean us, right? Amen. You know, um, I don't know if that's anybody like that. Where when a visitor is coming, you suddenly fix up the house and you say that thing that's hanging there for weeks now cannot be there, okay? And uh, you know, you suddenly turn into Martha, trying all these, you know, keep, keeping things and trying to hide things in places where it cannot be seen, right? You want things in order. There you go, right? So we want, we want, we want an excellent place. But it goes; be, it's more than the building, because there's something higher and deeper than the building. It's really about the people. But everyone else, I say everyone here, no exception, do you know that you have a part to play? And I'm not just talking about so that we can build the place. No, when it's already there, when it's functioning, and it's not just you participating so that it can be built. It's more than that. It's really us asking the Lord, Lord, what is my part in what you are, you know, what's your, what your heart, what you're focused on? You know, there's nothing that God is building now. When Jesus, before He left, He declared one thing that He's going to build. Only one thing. He said, I will build my church. And upon this rock, no, the, the, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. There's only one thing He's building. You think you want to be involved in what God is involved in? Oh, yeah. I want to be part of it. In fact, if you don't know, God has called you, to be in his kingdom for such a time as this so you can be involved in what he's working on. You have been graced to be part of what he's doing. I don't want any of us here to just be spectators of what God is doing. God has called us to participate in what he's doing. You see, he's a father. A father would like to involve his children in what he is doing. The Bible says we are Co laborers with him. I'll get to that scripture in a bit, but I want to visit another scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. In the New Living Translation, it would say this way Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Usually, that's called the fivefold ministers. These are five offices that God, Christ, left. Before he left for, before he went to heaven, he left these five gifts so that it can help build the body. Right? And there's a particular reason why they're there. It would lay it out in the next verse. Let's see. Their responsibility, those five, their responsibility is to what? God's people to do. I want to hear the people uh, in the middle all the way to the back because I could hear here okay, their, their responsibility is to what? Galit <laughs> <laughs> equip, kayo? Equip God's people to do and build up the church, the body of Christ. Meaning, we're here to help you so that you can be equipped to do the work. Praise the Lord. You know, I was, uh, you know, right now today we are we're operating as pastors that's our office okay but it does not also exempt us from going out and being part of the body as well it does not we're here we're pastoring here but you know outside we're also doing the work of christ but it's not just us before there was an old thinking an old mindset that whatever is happening if it's involved if, if it's involved the house of god it's just the pastor. It's just the minister. It's just a few people there. They will, they will set up. They will do all these things. And that's why some pastors are burned out. They're tired and dying. I don't want to die. Right? I'm too young and too colorful to die. Right? But our part now is to help you guys and equip you so you can do your work. Let's continue reading this thing in verse 13. It would say, this will continue. That's why we're continuing. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's not, you're almost like Christ, okay No, it says to the full measure. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Meaning, there, there used to be a time where people uh, go to different places. Oh, there's this prophet there. Let's go there. Or there's this evangelist here. Let's go there. Or there's this healer here. Let's go there. Or there's Manguhula there. You know, whatever. You try to go to all these things because you think that's where God is. No, we're not tossed anymore by, to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's this new thing. No, we're established. What's happening? You're maturing. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I like what Pasora Mitch pointed out a while ago that when you talk to somebody, who among you? You've, you've talked to somebody recently. No, I'm just, I just talk to myself. I understand that, but it's weird if that's, the, you're the only person you talk to. Okay? But when you talk to somebody, normally, you, you direct your focus on the head. Di ba? You don't talk to their knees. No, sawa na ako sa mukha mo, sa niece, hai, kamusta kayong dalawa? Halaga? That's strange, right? You don't talk to the body, you talk, To the head, because the body ought to direct its attention towards the head. The body, the body of Christ, ought to lead people to have fellowship, conversation, relationship with the head, which is Christ. And that's our part. The Bible here continues as He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Pause, because for me, this is revelation. This is God's promise to me. He says, He will make my whole body fit together perfectly. I know if you're believing to be fit this year, but makes the whole bo- He will make it. Lord, it's your responsibility. I want to wake up abs He will make the whole body fit together perfectly. No. Loose things. No jingle bells. Okay? As each part does its own special work. Read read that next part. As each does its own special work. Meaning, in another translation, it would say, every joint supplies. The moment you came into the kingdom receiving Christ, you have become part of the body. You are a... You, you are a joint that has a supply. And if you allow yourself to be involved and not just spectator, but a part, part, participating in the things, you are now adding your supply into the kingdom. The supply is working for something. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That is our desire. But it says there, every joint supplies, every, each part, each part. It does not matter if it's children's church. It's, it doesn't matter if it's a jam, youth jam or children's church or even retro jam. I don't know if that name will stay because we only have until pro jam. Retro jam is far over and beyond. Okay? <laughs> Does not matter, vintage jam. <laughs> what, a super jam. In ba- if it's in Baguio, it's strawberry jam. <laughs> strawberry. But all of us, we have a we have a part to play. It, children, you know, ch- Jesus rebuked the disciples because the disciples were trying to stop the the children coming to Jesus, and he said, No, 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 no. You don't understand. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you got to be like one of these. So children, they have a part. And you just check out how many um, older people, not old, older people that are still functioning strong in the Old Testament. In the scripture, you have Moses, you have Caleb, you have all these guys climbing mountains, defeating giants, even at their old age. So if you're kind of a vintage... Uh, um, Seasoned Christian. Seasoned what? Seasoned jam. <laughs> Come yes, jam. No. <laughs> right? It does not disqualify you from fulfilling the fullness of your days. Amen. So we declare that over this place. What I'm saying is this, I want to bring out to you that you have a part to play. You have something to contribute every joint supplies. In fact, let me read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Amplified. Chap- What's that? and you drinking water? Walang straw. Pikit kayo, pikit, pikit Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 in the Amplified. Let's read it here because it's familiar to everyone uh, when it says we have uh, good works that has been prepared for us. But I like the way the Amplified brings it out. It says here, for we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. In another translation would say you are God's masterpiece. Right? Turn to somebody and say you're God's masterpiece. There's no one like you. Thank God. (laughs) Ang haba naman sinabi you added. It says here, Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. So meaning, even before you were born, God has a predestined plan, a good plan for you to do these good works. But you will find that these good works is attached to what's happening in the house of God, in the kingdom of God. You cannot be separate from the kingdom of God and yet do good works. If you're separated from the kingdom of God trying to do good works, it's actually dead works. Good works is within the kingdom and the parameters of the house of God. Right? Taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life. Anybody want l- to live the good life? Living the good life is not separated from doing the good works. Doing the what has God has predestined and designed for us. A lot of people, they want living the good life and they think it's just about, you know, partying and, you know, being comfortable and all these things. And they say, ah, this is the life. This is living the good life. But that is incomplete. They may be wealthy, but it doesn't mean they're prosperous. Amen? But living the good life, true prosperity is walking in what God has prepared for all of us. Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. In fact, what I said a while ago is that What God does, because He is a good Father, He now positions Himself so that He is working with us. The Bible says we are co-laborers with Him. We are co-laborers with God. What that simply means is this. It does not mean that God is not able to do it on His own. It does not mean that God uh, needs help in that sense. But God chooses to partner with you so that you're involved in what he's a part of he involves his children because he loves his children he wants us involved in what the father is doing let's bring it out in scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 in the amplified first second uh, Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 in the amplified now after in uh, intense study and research I have discovered that 2 Corinthians chapter 6 comes after Second Corinthians chapter 5 you study the Greek, the Hebrew and all these things will come to light and go, ah 6 is after 5 and we will discover why it's important to connect the two it says here laboring together in the Amplified, verse 1 laboring together as God's fellow workers, some people, some scriptures would say co-laborers, God's fellow workers with Him, then we beg of you not to what? Receive the grace of God in vain. Pause for a bit. It will not say that unless it's possible to receive the grace of God in vain. How do you receive the grace of God in vain? Grace, as we now understand it, grace is empowerment to do. It is God's super in our natural. He gives you the ability. He gives you the desire. It is grace. It is not deserved. It is undeserved. It is a gift that we receive from Him. But the, the grace has a purpose. It is there for us for us to function in that grace. If if we do not function in the grace, and the purpose for that grace, then it becomes vain. The grace of God is in vain if we don't step into and operate in that grace. Do you understand? Uh, uh, The grace of God in vain, that merciful kindness by which God exerts His holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ Keeping and strengthening them, do not receive it to no purpose. Meaning, don't receive the grace to no purpose. It has a purpose. And now, uh, like I said, it's connected to the fifth chapter chapter because it's connected here. The grace of God in vain because there was an assignment given prior to chapter 6. Let's go to chapter 5 now and discover what this is for He made him um, go to verse 18 first. Verse 18. Verse 18, it would say, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, and it would say, And all of us, And all of this gift is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us the what? This task of reconciling people to Him. If you are in Christ, anybody in Christ, the truth is you have a task given to you. Let me say this. You have a grace given to you to operate as somebody who will reconcile people to himself. How do you do that? But I'm just a new Christian. Guess what? You have a testimony. Your testimony will speak. It is real to you. Right? Don't discount the gospel that you lived out. Don't discount the gospel that you lived out because you've discovered, you've heard it, you believed it, and you received it, it became real to you. And you lived it out. Right? Right? Just speak that and share that. If you don't know anything in the Bible, but you know that God loves you, Jesus died for you, that will speak. Amen? And then next verse, verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Praise the Lord. Amen? I, I know. Praise the Lord. Okay. It's a good news. And then it says here, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The message, the gospel, is powerful. It is the power of God unto salvation. Right, so you have the good news. Verse twenty says, "So we are Christ's ambassadors. Did you know? If you're in Christ, you're a diplomat. You are God's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. What's up?" Uh, have you ever met an ambassador before? Anybody have met an ambassador before, or talked to them, or you you know about ambassadors, right? They live in embassies, and you know the embassy represents the nation. And when you speak to ambassadors, some of them, you know, because there's a protocol in meeting them, you can't just go, "Hey, ambassador, what's up?" But because they represent a nation, you know, and ambassadors they have this thing called diplomatic immunity. They are not subject to the loss of the place that they're in. You, as an ambassador, you're not subject to the loss of the world. You're operating under a higher law, not anymore uh, the law of sin and death. That's not anymore the law you're operating in. You have a higher law. Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That is the law you're operating in. As a, as, a diplomatic, uh, as a diplomat, as an ambassador, there are certain things that you are immune of. You have immunity. You're immune to sickness and disease. If that's your reality, if you really believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we were all healed, then the truth is we ought to be immune to these things. Now, does that mean you will not experience or feel symptoms? No, you may feel symptoms, you don't have to receive it. As, as, a, as a part of immunity, diplomat, uh, the benefits of a diplomat, you're operating in a different financial system. Because now your system is this. He will supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. Who supplies the needs of that embassy and that diplomat? Of course, the kingdom he belongs in. Whose kingdom do you belong to? The kingdom of God. So allow the king to supply you. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe this. I believe that every Christian should have their own home. Because then you establish your embassy in that place. And you say, this place here is now heaven's property. You declare ownership over that place. Say, this is God's. Can't touch this. Mm -hmm." Mm-hmm-hmm. Amen. Now, before we end here, uh there's something I want to raise up. Okay. I wanna I wanna go to the book of Haggai. Because the book of Haggai, their history, their background is that they were they were slaves in Babylon for seventy years. And they were given Leave. They were given opportunity to go back to the land and they wanted to um, rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. But they met some resistance and got discouraged and eventually <clears throat> left the building of the, uh, of the temple alone. And it stayed like that for several years. And uh, <clears throat> here comes the prophet Haggai to remind them, of what God wants them to get into. We will read it here in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. In the New Living Translation, Haggai, if you want something you can read this week, Haggai is a good book, only two chapters. Okay, It's somewhere between the Old Testament and the New Testament, somewhere there in the middle, Okay, before the New Testament, you'll see it. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. New Living Translation. On August 29 of the second year of King Darius' reign. How specific is that, right? August 29. The Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Pause for a bit. Can you go back? The message was given to two people. To Zerubbabel... And to Jeshua. Jeshua, we know, is the high priest. So there's a priest. Zerubbabel here, it says here, the governor of Judah. But if you check his background, Zerubbabel is the grandson of the last king, of King Jehoiakim. So Zerubbabel is royalty, is he not? So right here, the message is being given to one who is royalty and a priest. And the message is being given here to those who are royal priesthood. Connect the dots. Next. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So they're saying, the the Lord declared to them, this is what you're saying. You're saying it's not yet time. Maybe, you know, it's not yet my time. Maybe I won't, I won't step out first. Maybe next time, you know, because I'm too busy. And all. People have all sorts of excuses. But God is bringing to light what He really wants to happen. Because God is not thinking about, you know, what will benefit Him. He's really thinking about what will benefit them. And let's continue. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. And he said, why are you living in luxurious houses while my, high, my house lies in ruins? See, the, the people stopped building their, the, the temple, but they started building their own houses. And they're living in nice houses. And it's not enough. If you live in a nice house, that's wonderful. But what about the house of God? It's so far removed from the heart of David. David was in his palace and looking like... And he's saying, I'm living in a palace... I live in a wonderful home, but the God who gave me this home is living in a tent. There's something wrong with that. And so he now endeavored to build a temple for God. But now a couple of years, long, long years, many years after, the people of Israel does not have the heart of David. They took care of their own things. They're taking care of their business, their farm, all the things I just want to take care of myself but they left the house of God in ruins. And then God begins to talk to them further. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Another translation would say, consider your ways. Meaning, okay, that's, that's making a distinction between God's ways and man's ways. <clears throat> man's ways is this. You, you're doing this. This is not my way. And God is saying this. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Now question, who among you have experienced this before? to a certain degree all of us we've experienced this before and god is saying there's something wrong in your way try to adjust make that distinction now lord i'm going to i'm in my heart i'm making this adjustment now help me make this adjustment because god now encourages them go up the hill bring down timber and begin to rebuild the temple now, he's saying, I want you to adjust now. Stop focusing all your attention to what's happening in your house. Be concerned. Focus your attention to what's happening on Jesus. Be Jesus-focused. And that will give him an avenue to now begin and shower blessings upon your house. Let's read this in, in second, the second chapter of Haggai, verse 3 to 9. It says here, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with this? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Because it's in ruins, right? Yet now, and I'm saying this to New Life the Fort, Be strong. Be strong, Jerubabel. Be strong, Joshua. (coughs) Be strong, Jehovah. Okay, thank you. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of New Life the Fort. It says there, right? I, it, my Bible says New Life the Fort. Very interesting. Be strong, says the Lord. And work, be involved. Don't spectate, participate. For I am with you. Says the Lord, according to the word that I con- covenanted with you when you came out of the house of bondage, Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake. There, was, there will be a shaking in the heavens, on the earth, in the sea, in dry land. There will be a shaking. And when things are being shaken, people will look for things that are established and cannot be shaken. And who is established and cannot be shaken? Says here, the desire of all nations. The reason why it's in capital, because it's talking about Jesus Christ. We are here, we are lifting up Jesus Christ, and when the shaking and the darkness comes, people will look and see Jesus in this place and they will come. That's why we're here. <coughs> and I will fill, and this is what I'm believing, for our new place for our expansion for our build this house i will fill this temple with glory says the lord of hosts but it's going to be expensive it's going to be millions upon millions of pesos yeah i'm not you know it's going to be it's going to be a lot of money but there's comfort for us because god says he threw in this line he just threw it in there just to assure the people the silver is mine the gold the gold is mine says the Lord of hosts. Oh, well then, I'll be be assured that, you know, if you visit the scripture, every time God gave the people instruction to build something, God provided. And the silver is mine. But, you know, there's a lot of, the money is out there in the world. Well, they're just holding it for us. Because when the time comes, we will say, the Lord has need of it. This is my heart as pastor. The Lord can use somebody to bring in a huge amount of money So that we can build That's, that's amazing That will be miraculous But what I desire as pastor Is that he will enrich the people So that the people can now bring it to the temple That's the That's the first You know When, when God instructed Moses To build a tabernacle God blessed the people With gold Plundered Egypt And they were the ones who gave their gold, their silver because God provided for the people and the people got involved in the building project. That is my heart. Now, if you set your heart towards this, towards the house of the Lord, having a heart now for the Lord, I'm speaking to three different kinds of people. One, you may be a worker and you're already here and you're giving your time and your treasure and all of that. I'm just encouraging you to continue. That's good. There's more. (coughs) Number two, I'm speaking to those, and you know who you are. God already spoke to your heart, maybe long before, to step out, to be involved. But somehow, maybe, you know, I'm still taking care of this. And now, God is reminding you of what He said. Encouraging you. Now, this is the time. Step out. This is for you too. Also, this is for the people who's never heard this message before. And you're hearing this for the first time. This is also for you. Regardless where you are, if you make that commitment, Lord, I want to be focused on you. And I want to know what's in your heart in regards to your house. This is a promise that God is releasing to you today. Verse, nine, verse 18 and 19. It says, think about this 18th day of December, the day when the rebuilding of the Lord's temple began. (coughs) Sorry. Consider now from this day forward. From this day forward. Consider now from this day forward. What's going to (coughs) happen? New Living Translation, verse 19. I am giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn you haven't given any seed yet it's still with you <coughs> you have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines fig trees pomegranates and olive trees have not yet produced their crops you haven't given anything yet you haven't harvested anything yet but the lord is saying this but from this day onward i will bless you from this day onward i will bless you. I believe that's the word for new life The fort, Especially as we're getting into expansion this year. From this day onward, I will bless you. Last scripture as we end. Haggai chapter 1 verse 14. New Living Translation. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltel, governor of Judah, the enthusiasm of Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began rebuilding the house of their God. Who sparked? <coughs> God was the one who put the spark, the desire, the power, the will to do, God, put the spark. I believe God is put, putting a spark in New Life the Fort so that we, our eyes and our attention will be turned towards the house of God. A spark. God will give you the spark. But what you do with the spark is entirely up to you. I pray that you find yourself from a spark, you find yourself on this end where the Bible says, I am totally consumed with a zeal. He's consumed like a fire in my bones. Consumed. I pray that for each and every person here. Close your eyes and uh, bow your heads. I want to call out certain people here. If you're here, you're hearing this message and you want to commit or recommit. Say, Lord, I want to have that heart. I want to step up i want to be involved i don't want to participate i want i don't want to be a spectator anymore i want to participate in what you're doing in your house if that's you if god has been saying to you to do this or if you're already involved but you want to have a greater commitment this is for you if this is you and you want to make that adjustment right now i want you to raise your hand say pastor i I i want I want a greater part in what's happening. I want to be involved. If that's you, raise your hand right here, right now. I see some hands being lifted up. Praise the Lord. Say that's me, Lord. In fact, me. Also I want I want a greater part, Lord God. I want that. I want that heart. I don't want to be, I don't want to be satisfied where I'm at. I want more. I want to burn. But not burn out. I want to be consumed, Lord. I pray that for every person person that raised their hand. I want that fire to burn. I want that spark in their life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. (coughs) Another thing I want to do, can you close your eyes, bow your heads again? Maybe you're here, you've never given your life to Christ. And you're hearing this message say, I don't think I'm worthy to be in the house of God because I'm too sinful for that. Well, guess what? You don't have to try to be anything. Jesus already paid for you. Jesus already has forgiven you. So the only thing to do now is to receive His forgiveness. If this is you, you want Jesus in your life, I want you to raise your hand also and say, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. There you go. I see some hands being lifted up here at the back in the middle. Um, If you raise your hand, you can bring your hands down now. If you raise your hand to receive Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart. I'm going to ask everyone else to pray along with you. Say this Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me. I believe that you've already forgiven me, dying on the cross for me, shedding your blood, washing me clean of every trace of sin and guilt starting today I am righteous before you because of what you have done for me thank you for this new life and I thank you that I'm now part of your family your household in Jesus name, Amen and Amen, Hallelujah Hallelujah Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.